0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Engage Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Steven Dutzman. I am your host, as always, and I am joined by one of my very best friends in the whole wide world, Amanda Farah, the princess of power. It has been far too long since you have been called that, I assume, because I don't know how many people other than me call you that.
1: No one. It's just you.
0: Okay, so it's been way too long. It has been. So, everybody, I appreciate your patience. I know our last, I look at our episode listing. The last episode was December 5th. December is traditionally a rough month for parent focused content creators because. The month of December is very hard for parents in general, and so we closed up shop a little earlier than we expected. That's okay. We have plans for this year. We'll have extra stuff to do and maybe a blooper episode. Who knows? I'm not going to overpromise because Decembers are crazy, but – we're back. It's episode 246. It is video games this week. That's why Not it is yet. just me and Amanda, and specifically Amanda. You and I, we're going to look back on the year that was 2020. But we're only going to talk about the good video games we played. Specifically, we're going to talk about the. Yeah, exactly. I know. Guys, listen, we record on Skype. And when I said we're going to look back at 2020, she gave me the most how dare look.
1: (laughs) It really was. There was no way around that.
0: She she was, it wasn't quite rage. It was
1: like fear on top of how dare. I'm like, we're not doing this. This isn't this episode. This isn't even this podcast.
0: We're not doing that. Yeah, you're I like, I've, I, I. yeah, it's like I, I'll <laughs> she, she definitely gave me the look that I was in trouble. Uh, but no, we're, we're specifically we're going to talk about the engaged family gaming games of the year. Our staff came together in our Facebook work group and we hashed it out and talked about it. So we're just going to go through that. Uh, here's how the podcast is going to be divided. The bulk of the podcast is going to be about the family friendly video games of the year. Then we'll take a break. And all those of you that only listen for games for your kids, you're welcome to go. We'll be done for a week and then we'll come back next week for board games. Everybody else that wants to know, we're going to talk about some games for the grown-ups. And we have some interesting choices this year. So how does that sound for you, Amanda?
1: Let's do it. I've, I, I've been looking forward to this for like weeks, man. OK,
0: so we're going to hold the actual game of the year. Till the end, and we're just gonna kind of go through some of the others first, because the way we do it is rather than like ranking five or ten or fifty like they do over at Game Informer. No, no, no. We pick. I mean, admittedly, they have a big old staff and a lot of time on their hands. Mm. Um, So um, we we pick a game of the year. And then we have a bunch of games that are in consideration, things that we think are in the discussion, but just not quite there yet. So let's talk about the ones that are in discussion first. And I think the one and the one that I want to hear from you on. Yeah. Is Hades, because this game is actually came out. I mean, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because it came out in early access almost wasn't it last year or not last last year it's been out in Uh, early access for a while
1: yeah it was in early access for quite some
0: time it didn't sneak up on us but when it came out and was fully released yeah that's what's so interesting about Hades is it it was there but no one was expecting it to be as good as it is so take it away Amanda tell us why Hades deserves to be in consideration for our game of the year
1: Oh, man. Hades is such a gem of a game. It's listen, it's the kind of game where even if you think you hate roguelikes, you will love this roguelike because it 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 just it hits that it hits that serotonin part of your brain in just the right way where you're like, oh, that feels good to play. Oh. I really like this. And the more you get to know the characters and the gods, including the Sithonic gods. um, So those are the ones down in, you know, actual Hades. Um, It's a really beautiful story. And I'm not through the game entirely yet, but I have spent many, many pleasant hours you know, experimenting with different gameplay styles because there are un- there are a number of different weapons that you can unlock that are very different from one another. Some of them are very close combat oriented. Some of them are area of effect. Some of them are a little bit more longer range. Or there's a mm-hmm. combination in them depending on on which ones you like. So I really like the bow, and I really like the spear. Those are the those okay. are the ones that I really enjoy playing with. Um, in Hades, But there's like a little bit of everything for every style and okay. it's an extremely accessible roguelike. It moves it moves very fast. That's the only thing that I will say about this game that if you do not like fast paced games, Hades is probably not for you. But if you like that that little hit of a challenge that even when you lose, it doesn't feel bad because you just okay. show up in Hades again, you go talk to a bunch of characters, you do a bunch of character development, and you keep going. And it's great because it's like even when you fail, even when you're not able to make it out of Elysium, which is the highest level of Hades, um, before you would escape... It still feels so good even to lose. And that to me is the mark of a truly excellent gaming experience. Don't like punish me for losing by, you know, taking away my progress. Sure. But you're going to give me story, too. So you're giving me incentive to lose. Oh, I like this.
0: The incentive to lose sounds great to me because I am hilariously bad at video games, as we have discussed. (laughs) Which that definitely needs to be on a T-shirt. Uh, it does. But
1: do sucks at video games is. challenge yeah. 2021.
0: I am, <laughs> like I am hilariously bad at video games. And the fact that losing is not only like a problem, it's like part of the storytelling mechanic. It is. And that's awesome to me. Fun fact, I actually have not put my hands on the sticks for this game at all. I do not oh. own it. I haven't bought it yet. Really, it's It'll just a matter of... It'll eat your life. I mean, probably not because I got another game that's been eating my life. Well, yeah, I'm and, but, to hearing about this game. But, yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that later. But it really comes down to my plan was that I was going to get it uh, for the Christmas break. And I figured I would spend a Saturday just like going through it. And then and then Santa brought me Fire Emblem Three Houses. And I'll, I'll talk to you about my experiences with that off air. <laughs> I mean, it was IGN's Game of the Year. Our peers you know content creators, writers, youtubers almost universally well received this game. I mean, I see a few people like you know what it's not my jam, but it's still like it's great.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, the
0: soundtrack yeah. is so good. And it, that's a super giant staple. Like someone shared a video that was like, "Hey, check it out. It's the theme song for Hades as sung by two people." And I was like, "It's you literally five seconds in i was like oh this is a super giant game like if you didn't know what it was you're like oh it's a super giant game because
1: it's, it's once you once you've played one like if you've ever played bastion or transistor or pyre you know you know what immediately what Darren oh, yeah. corpse work sounds like
0: yeah oh it's so great so that's Hades. Here's the good news: it's also only twenty five dollars, and it is yeah. frequently on sale for twenty percent off, so you can get it for twenty bucks. Again, the only reason I don't have it is because I had other video games, and I know that it's not being removed from the world. <laughs> there will be it's plenty true. of time to buy it. So the uh, so that is Hades. I'm gonna so I'm gonna talk about one of mine, and this is a game that you have not played. I'm gonna continue the theme of surprises. Let me talk oh, about this a video is what we're game. We're going
1: to talk about. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited.
0: Let me talk about a video game that went from Eh, I'll check it out at the end of the year. It looks cute. To literally 4 hours later. This is one of my games of the year, full stop, no questions asked. And that nice. is Immortals Phoenix Rising.
1: All right, all right. Actually, pitch me on this game. The way that you pitched me over text.
0: Yeah, this is Pixar Assassin's Creed narrated by Statler and Waldorf.
1: Right here. As soon right as I'm here. done playing Spider Man, it's going right here in my veins.
0: It says Immortals Phoenix Rising solves a lot of problems that the Assassin's Creed franchise has that most, I would say, like hardcore gamers, if that's even a term, but I'm going to use it for like short term. core
1: gamers now. Poor gamers, yeah
0: they don't recognize them as problems and they're really only a problem if you frame the game in a certain way. And really what it does is it takes the Assassin's Creed franchise and makes it accessible to younger players and parents. And that is something that, you know, if you're just a 22 year old dude living in your apartment, you don't really care about stabbing dudes in the throat because you don't have to worry about your kid watching you do that. Right. Correct. But, and It is by no means a peaceful game, right? Like, the core gameplay mechanic is you are a dude or girl or non-binary person slashing dudes with weapons. So, like, it is still a violent violent. game. However, it's violent like Legend of Zelda is violent in that you're fighting, for the most part, like monsters or animals or, you know, like crazy stuff like that. And you are, uh, as opposed to people – And even like the enemy soldiers or whatever, they're more like golems than they are like people, right? Okay. And so you are – so that by itself is cool, right? But what they did is they made it funny, which is something that is number one hard to do. Yes, but they did it well. The writing is really? great, and the characters are funny and they're familiar. Because again, this is just like Hades, right? Like familiar characters because you're general people are generally familiar with Greek and Roman Greek and Roman mythology. Same thing with immortals, right? It makes it easy to have these like bright, crazy characters because we're kind of familiar with them, and it is genuinely funny. The Pixar nature of it, and the reason I talk about Pixar is part of that's just the art style. The other piece is Pixar has always been good about kind of putting jokes and and moments in there that will appeal to or be understood by grown-ups but will definitely go over kids' heads. You know, like, just about everything Bo Peep says before the last Toy, Toy Story movie, right? Like, the... Tons of that, tons of that kind of stuff in Immortals, which I think is great. I appreciate it. Man, it's, it's just so good, Amanda. It is so good.
1: I'm still so looking forward to playing it.
0: It is criminally overlooked, I think. In fact, you know, one of the things that's on my to-do list to my left is to make a list of games from 2020 that you probably missed. And I think this is this is going to be one of them. And part of that is because it came out at the very end of the year when everybody was busy doing other stuff. And
1: like railing on a certain game yeah, a certain time in the
0: future. Yeah, exactly. Everybody kind of forgot it because we were busy, you know, being being angry about other stuff. Or just getting ready for Christmas or Or Hanukkah. Or whatever. Or Hanukkah, or just you know, dealing with this. Right? So it just came out at a really weird time. Combat's fun, puzzles are fun. I mean, this is just so yeah, that I, I don't need to say much more than that. Immortals Phoenix Rising was originally called Gods and Monsters, was renamed yeah. because I know they got to the end and realized they had a franchise. This was not just some standalone thing they were gonna figure it out. I know, just from what I played, they must have gotten to the end. And maybe one of them fancy pre-reviewers or whatever, you know, looked at it and was like, No, really, guys. <laughs> This is really good. And then we're like, OK, maybe we should prep this so that we can do Immortals, whatever, forever. Because you know what? Do it. Just do, do it. it. Uh, especially since Immortals doesn't necessarily mean it's tied to Greek mythology, which means we have another, we have another Ubisoft franchise where we can say, hey, just do it in ancient Japan. <laughs> And do exactly
1: what everybody wants you to do, which is just keep creating cool games that are Pixar but make an Assassin's Creed.
0: Yep, I would love that, and I want more of it. I want that in my life. So um, I think the rest of these are games that you have not played. But let's talk about Spider-Man a little bit because you Hmm. have been playing Spider-Man Remastered. I and know. I have and I finished Spider-Man Miles Morales. So I think um, we can combine them into one package together and just talk about right. Spider-Man in general. Yes. Tell me about your experience with Spider-Man Remastered because outside of your PlayStation troubles. Spider-
1: you know Man what? Remastered. I think we solved the PlayStation troubles, believe it or not. Um yeah. it turns out that it's probably like a power draw issue, so we're just not using the the headset anymore and we're fine. Um oh, Okay yeah cool. So, for whatever reason that seemed to have been the problem so we're just not using the headset um on like i'll just plug it into the controller so yeah. anyway now that i can sit down and actually i don't know play video play games on playstation um i started playing spider-man remastered and it is i feel like it's not an exaggeration for me to say that this game is glorious it feels amazing to play with the haptic triggers. It is gorgeous beyond anything any video game I've ever played in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to find a flaw with it. I really have. i it's It's so far it is a flawless experience, and it's something that I think I'm like almost halfway done the main story already which is amazing. Um, I'm doing like the black hat stuff. I'm unlocking the spider suits. I'm swinging through Manhattan and I really miss Manhattan just in general. Like I'm sitting here in New Jersey and I'm like, what, what the hell is the point of being in New Jersey if I can't go to Manhattan? Folks, I haven't been to Manhattan since February of last year. It is a problem. Being in the burb sucks. Just same. So anyway, I I I've been having such a wonderful time with Spider-Man Remastered. I'm so like, I feel so bad that I missed it when it first came out because like I played like the first hour of it and then I'm like, I have to move on to the next game. I don't have time for this because, you know, I was running two outlets. So it's I feel bad for missing it. But also at the same time, it is amazing, amazing on the PlayStation 5.
0: Yeah. And the reason I thought it was cool for you to bring that up, the biggest one is the if you buy the PlayStation 5 version of Miles Morales, there are two versions that you can buy. One of them is $50 and it is just the new Miles Morales game. But if you get the $70 package, it includes the Spider-Man remastered, which is a remastered version of the original with all the DLC. Yes. and Which is what so, I'm mean which is what you're playing. And so you get all the, the fancy doohickeys and the graphical upgrades and the fast load times, et cetera, for that added to the original plus the DLC, which frankly, the DLC back then was 25 bucks. So even if you had the original game and never bought the DLC, which is the boat we were in, we never bought it. uh, It's cheaper to just pay the 20 bucks extra on miles Morales. And then you get all the DLC to go along with the game. And so, it is so so. your experience, you know, talking about how Spider-Man remastered is glorious. I mean, it was our game of the year. The year it came out for a reason. Yeah, yeah, it is
1: absolutely. amazing.
0: Let absolutely. me tell you, Miles Morales, also glorious. And so you love to see it, it. is so it takes everything that was great about the original Spider-Man <laughs> changes the time. It's in wintertime now, so there's snow everywhere. So the, the already brilliant oh. environment design and art, etc., mm-hmm. is made even better by just, they just add little details because it's Christmas in New York. Right? So, you know, there's lights everywhere and there's snow, you know, and little oh, details. I like
1: need to, I need to play this game, yeah. like, before mm-hmm. it's not winter anymore. <laughs>
0: I agree. I agree. You should, or just wait until next year and play it when it's winter again. All of these details are perfect. They just, oh, I, I, I loved every minute of it. Another thing that I really liked about it. Speaking of loving every minute is miles Morales is blissfully short. Mm. And, Selling point. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh man, you know, I want, if I buy my video games, I want them to be super long. I'm like, fine. You know what you well, need to do? Well, that's
1: fair. Because, that's, like, that, that's, an, that's an accessibility thing, too, in terms of pricing. Like, I hear that.
0: I get, I get that. And listen, we can, there are plenty of games that are basically infinite. This is a game that, from, It feels like you're playing a movie, not like visually or anything like that, but it really feels like it just has that three act structure and it and you really just kind of move through it more quickly. There's not a lot of padding and not that I think that there's a lot of padding in Spider-Man, but like I never felt. I never felt like I was doing something extra. Like I always felt like everything was important. And part of that was because I was just, I knew that I was just a few things away from a major story beat. There's some really cool story twists. There's some cool stuff. Uh, Miles is a super cool character. We've talked about this on other podcasts that the next decade is going to be the decade of Miles Morales. I think he's I'm probably so going to be one of, one of the most important superheroes uh, in the world. It's
1: going to be Kamala, and it's going to be Miles.
0: I I want to see I want to see the show before I am willing to slam dunk that but I you're probably right. I think you're like 95% of the way I'm with you. I just want to see the show first. I'm
1: sold based on Marvel's Avengers to be I honest.
0: Mean, you're, you're right, but I'm being I'm being somewhat reserved. Who are you? I
1: haven't I'm spoken to reserved. you in a month on a podcast and suddenly you're like lacking in the hype? Where did you put my best I friend? Just,
0: okay, so it really comes down to I, I feel, and this is specifically with Marvel properties. I just know eventually they're going to drop a drop an egg. Like it it's, eventually it's going to happen, and I feel. And this is my. I feel like this is, the second
1: Thor movie was probably an egg.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that means it's been a long time, and <laughs> it, for me, it feels like shows that were made in this burst like and and I'm and it's the same thing with Star Wars too, right like not everything can be such a slam dunk. Like they can't do everything right. So I'm just afraid this is a fear thing. Um, and really, I'm just hoping that v- WandaVision, which is coming out in two weeks, is not that one because this is very important to me.
1: I know it's extremely important to you. Listen, I will, I will watch it with Mike and we will be and right there with you, buddy. It. And then yeah. we'll talk about it
0: and we'll talk about it. So anyway, back to Spider-Man. Um, At $70, that is a ton of money. And I definitely appreciate the pain that everybody is going to be feeling with the $10 price increases for video games. Fortunately, um, you know, there's still going to be sales and things like that. I mean, but. $70 a lot, but from a value perspective, especially if you missed out on the original Spider-Man, maybe you were an Xbox family before, or you were too busy or your kids were just too young and you, maybe you weren't playing video games at the time. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of plenty of valid reasons. Um, that is a great value at $70 for those two games. That is, is, um, playing the two of them to completion will be a a whole lot of time, two very good stories and a setup for a video game universe, more or less between those two that we know Sony is going to make a lot of games out of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so that is Spider-Man miles Morales. Lastly, the final game in consideration is minecraft dungeons. Now, I know this I is one that you have I agree
1: with this one. I do agree with it though cuz it is even though I haven't spent a ton of time with it it is it is still a heck of a game.
0: Yeah. So and this is another one that falls under the you know it did the same thing that immortal's phoenix rising did but for diablo. Which is, like, there's a certain kind of game, like that dungeon crawl. And it's not universal, right? But it's that dungeon crawl, loop, pinata, running around, fighting monsters, equipping your character, teamwork game, right? And, like, you want to play Diablo like that, like because that's what that game is, right? You want to play Diablo. But you can't with, like, little kids, because Diablo yeah. is it's not a horror game, but it's set in a horror world.
1: It is, and it's it's violent, like especially violent, gory. Yeah, it's gory. Even if it's not like super scary, gosh, the first one sure was. Man, yeah. I remember facing the butcher at like age ten, eleven, yeah. maybe. I think the first one,
0: yeah, the first one. They definitely have eased off of the tension and horror, and really leaned into like the bananas, like schlocky violence. But like, man, Which I'm kind
1: of here it, for it's fine.
0: It does okay to it play with your thirteen-year-old,
1: but probably no one else.
0: What's yeah, right? Um, if ever there was a game for fifteen-year-olds, it is Diablo Three um, or Mortal Kombat, actually. So the. I've heard some people try and argue, oh, well, it's kind of abstracted because everything's small and you, you can't really see the detail. Fine, listen, I'm not here to judge nobody. You want your kid to play t with you? <laughs> Fine, I'm not here to do that. It's probably not a great idea.
1: I am not but that's, about that life.
0: But you do you. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to make good recommendations. But what Minecraft Dungeons does is it gets you into that in that environment, that genre with stuff that is instantly recognizable and instantly uh, exciting for a lot of kids not literally every kid but probably close because it is a top you know a isometric action role playing game where you collect loot and fight monsters but everything is Minecraft you're fighting Minecraft mobs in Minecraft biomes with characters that are basically just Minecraft skins and then you just kind of add like some of this extra stuff on top of it. You know, these loot drops and these relics and, you know, things like that. And it's super cool. Uh, And a big piece of it, and one of the reasons why it is as good as it is, is because of how seamless the multiplayer is, right? You know, my kids, I mean, they've played this game, and they regularly play together. I mean, there's a bunch of times where uh, my oldest tried to play with my youngest and, like, you know, trying to drag her through some of these levels. And this is another game that is kind of like a platform, where it's just going to keep growing. They're going to keep adding more DLC. I mean, it's not quite a -a games-as-a-service. That's a different thing. But this is definitely a game that is going to exist and will continually get more and more DLC. It's available on Xbox Game Pass. It's inexpensive even beyond that. So it definitely needed to be on here. This game from the minute it was announced my sons were in, were super hype and it has lived up to that hype for them.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. That's so great. I, I have I've played it in a limited chunk, but again, only because of time constraints you're a busy lady. I am a busy lady. I have like four different jobs these days. It's
0: I know every time I see you on Twitter tweet, I go, did she get a new job yet? Does she get a new job? Did she volunteer for a new thing? Is she a softball coach now? Is she?
1: Oh, no, Vivi's going to play softball in the spring, but I don't know anything about softball.
0: I was a little league baseball coach if that makes you if that helps oh, you. Um, that's so
1: cute. I love it. I don't know anything about anything that has like bats involved. I mostly deal with rugby and soccer.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, hit ball with stick run. It's not that like you're not you're not doing like sacrifice flies and stuff in softball for, you know, sub 10-year-olds, but I think you can manage.
1: Those are words. You can also I know those words. They make sentences.
0: Yeah, they were they were things. Uh, at the okay. end of the day, as long as you make sure they don't hit each other with the bat and they drink oh, water. The fun at that?
1: Um, Everyone should just get a foam bat and just beat each other up with it. That sounds like fun. Fair.
0: So, I mean, that's one of my main hobbies. So I'm talking about a lot. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, to improvise a little bit on this. I want to talk about one game that barely did not make the list and only on a technicality, and that <laughs> is World of Warcraft Shadowlands. Okay. Two second update. World of, Warcraft, World of Warcraft Shadowlands is the best World of Warcraft has ever been from what I have played.
1: Wow. Um, it is. Really?
0: gorgeous it is the the story is fascinating not only is the story fascinating the story is there and like i understand what is happening
1: it's not Um, obtuse how do you play how do you play an mmo especially a world of warcraft without an obtuse story that doesn't make sense
0: well because they got like compelling characters and and there's a character that i really want to punch in the face real bad so like everything's a good game Yep, I definitely want to punch that character in the face. And so it is uh, so it did not make this list because we couldn't as a group decide whether or not an expansion to a video game qualified. And so I decided to leave it off the list and then put it back on at the end as a in consideration for in consideration, if for nothing else. Because, like, I don't know, I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want. There are no cops. So, um so I think if you have ever thought – and the other piece is if you have ever thought, you know what? I want to play WoW. I think that could be fun. And you always were like, man, but there's like 15 expansions and what do I have to buy and all this stuff. Now is a good time to start because they just redid the whole leveling experience. And I think now is a good time to think about it. I'm, this is not meant as a sales pitch to you. Maybe it is a little. But I know. <laughs>
1: it kind of is. Come on. I mean I'm abandon Final Fantasy 14 and play video games with Oh, games I wouldn't a make – Solid dudesman pitch. I mean –
0: I'm not. I mean, I'm not. Everybody is that really? It is a game that is never going away. It will, it will be there until the heat death of the universe. Half the reason I'm back is so that I can be there when it dies. You know, like that. I because I want to have that moment because so many people have had that Star Wars galaxy stuff like that. I want to be there, and city of it heroes. just doesn't, oh. city of heroes. R. So R. f in the chat. So that is a uh, that is a d. De- if you don't understand what, what what we what I just said. Don't worry about Don't worry it. About it. Um, if you do understand, it was re- hilarious to you, but because um, I'm old, and so I shouldn't be making those jokes. But that was my inconsideration for the inconsideration. Do you have a game that you played this year that that is not on this list, and you're like, damn it, Steve, why is it not on this list? Do you have one? It's okay if we got it right.
1: Okay. I mean, you didn't, but... Because <laughs> it's missing uh, Spirit a- Bearer.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, tell me about... Well, I mean, we've talked I about I mean, we've talked but-
1: extensively about Spiritfarer, but for those of you that are brand spanking new or somehow missed the three or four episodes where I talked about this and Around the Horn, I finished Spiritfarer in the fall, and I, I played it when it came out in August, and this is a game that's about grief, a game that's about dying and about ferrying spirits to their final destination into the into the great beyond into the universe into heaven whatever you believe in they are you know part of the cosmos at a at a certain point that game was heartbreaking and beautiful and wonderful and absolutely maddening and There were so many things that Spiritfarer taught me about processing, like even my own grief. And these are old griefs. Like, I haven't had grandparents for, gosh, like 25 plus years. Like, you know, most of them died when I was very young, when I was about, you know, Gabriel's age. Um, Like three quarters of my grandparents had passed away from like cancer and accidents and stuff like that. So... It was really interesting to come back and and look at look at death through the eyes of something that could have been really beautiful, like to have that conversation about death with the with my kids. And I did have it with Vivian. Um, we did talk about it because she asked me, she's like, "Well, what does the Everdor mean? And you know why is it important? And we had a conversation about, you know the spiritual portion of death. Um, and what that means in different cultures and what that means for religions and what it means to me personally, uh, because she's never she's never dealt with it before. You know, she's very young. So Spiritfarer is such an important game to me, not just because technically it was a really it was a magnificent experience, but it was spiritually, narratively just And it was just an awe-inspiring game. There were some problems with it for sure. It's not like it was flawless. Like, pretty sure Spidey Remastered is potentially one of very few flawless games I've ever played. Um, but it just hit all the right notes for me. Like, I I would take each spirit I would take to the Everdoor. Didn't matter if I liked them or not. I, by the end of their journey, I empathized with them and I loved them a little.
0: Well, that is a compelling pitch for another game that I guess we got wrong by leaving it off that we uh, got off the list. The fun fact about these game of the year lists. Right. And and this is the truth that every outlet is that no one's going to get it right. And somebody's game of the year is some game that reviewed like a two on, you know, Metacritic, right? Like, that's what's so cool about video games is that we, you know, everybody latches on to something different. it's
1: It's totally subjective because games are art.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. It's one of my favorite times of the year to go through, and you know, watch our peers right throw up their their thoughts, and you know, um, even people that don't work at big outlets. Because you and I are you know friends with all sorts of people that aren't part of outlets at all, but still share their thoughts. I'm like, this was my game of the year, and so it's always fun to talk about it. Let's talk about the real game of the year now. If you've been playing Clue. You probably noticed there was a video game missing in all this talk. Mm -hmm. Like, can we say like the animal in the room?
1: Is it the tanuki in the room?
0: The Tanuki in the room, yeah. The it's Tanuki's this room. is this is like our really terrible uh, segue, but here we go. Game of the year for engaged family gaming, without question, has to be Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Was it even close? I think. Why, I think in April, you and I were having like a pre-show meeting, and I think the two of us just looked. We 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 looked at each other through the Skype window, as we often do, and shared, we shared one a brain, very self. So. glance. Yeah. And and then our one you know like one brain cell like flew from Connecticut to New Jersey and back and we we're like you know what uh, I have a hard time imagining a game beating Animal Crossing New Horizons this year and that was before it saved literal lives so Animal Crossing New Horizons uh, Amanda I know you played a bunch of it I, I still miss your outfit posts on Twitter oh, I loved
1: those posts those were so much fun they were like my little fashion shows every day
0: yeah. Oh, I loved... I Well, I mean, I didn't know how you did it. I thought you were using, like, an app or something. I didn't realize nope. that it was, like, a function in the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I thought you were being, like, super fancy. It turns out the that game was, not- was super fancy for you. Tell me your thoughts on Animal Crossing. Like, just now that you're looking back on it over the year. Like, what... what <sighs> wax form? me.
1: This thing saved us. It saved a lot of us. Not even... Not even necessarily in ways that we can fully understand now um, or articulate now, but Animal Crossing saved us. It gave us venues for birthday parties because we couldn't see our friends. It gave us ways to interact with our families. I played Animal Crossing with my brother a few times, you know, making sure that there there was room for him to come to my island and I could go visit him. It was like visiting each other's houses, you know, but in digital spaces. It... It was an unexpected way for us to affect and have control over something in a, at a time, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, and quite frankly, still, still now, because we are almost a year into, this, into these quarantines, even into these, you know, not necessarily sheltering in place, but pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. With the Fire Nation attacking, as we often call it, on EFG, Animal Crossing saved us collectively and individually and it is one of the most important games of 2020 and will continue to be an extremely important game while we continue to experience social isolation
0: yeah i mean you put it better than anything i could have you know what i can't wait for i can't wait for the boss fight book
1: oh serious
0: somebody better be pitching that to them hard. I want them to have like, I bet you they have like 10 people pitching it to them and they're just deciding who they want to do it. Do you know who's doing it? No. You probably do know. You probably know who's doing it. You just don't know they're doing it yet. Like when it gets I, announced, yeah, maybe, this person I is, don't know. I don't know. Uh, you should pitch I've
1: it. been meaning to um, pitch Boss Fight books, actually.
0: Uh, you should pitch them Animal Crossing New they,
1: they follow me on the Twitters
0: you should you should you should pitch them, and you should I'll send you the audio for that. I'll clip it out. you send to them, and you can send that to them as your pitch for i want to write this as a boss fight book. Uh, I would support that fully.
1: Yeah,
0: um, wouldn't that be awesome? So the uh, like you that would be another job for you though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's one more, man? What's one more? I mean, at this point, just pile them on. I um, For me, I didn't play it as much as, say, you did. Mm -hmm. I
1: played it excessively until, like, June. Yeah.
0: Um, I played it kind of with or around my kids. And ultimately, for me, it came down to I played it a lot until I realized that the unending chore list that I wanted needed dragons in it. That was it. That was Mm -hmm. it. Because what we needed was, like, a treadmill, we needed an experienced treadmill, and that to me is what Animal Crossing was, right? Every day, it was like a couple of things, a couple of bells. Chorloops. It was another week of uh, – yeah, chore loop, right? Another week of turnips. Mm-hmm. And was that n- treadmill for everybody? And we all needed that. And Shit. in our we house – something
1: to control. We needed something that we could feel like we were affecting positive change in a world even if it wasn't
0: our own. Yeah. And in our house, I mean, we had three switches and three copies of that game. He is uh, that like my oldest, he, he got into it because he got into the stock market, right? Like really Mm -hmm. min-maxing that and interacting, you know, he joined a discord server just for people to share stock prices. And, you know, my daughter still plays every couple of days. She'll log in and visit her village. And, you know, my middle son bops in and out. He has a a switch light. So he'll just sit in his corner under his weighted blanket that he got. For Christmas mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's a it's a baby Yoda uh, weighted blanket so it's like the most 2020 thing ever it and is. he um, and so I, I know he plays every couple of days um, but it's probably even more frequently because you know we would just not know because um, that's what's interesting about it right is that you can kind of just like pop in and then pop out you know Yeah, so
1: exactly.
0: animal crossing I mean we knew it in April we did, and it is never going to be. Uh, you know, it really wasn't in question. All these other games are amazing, right? And many of them, if it weren't for Animal Crossing, would have been in contention. Spider Man, Immortals, you know, this—it's very possible. Yeah. Um. So yeah. That's it. I think that's all we got to say. Um, obviously, do our written game of the year post, and we'll talk yeah. about that. But Absolutely. Animal Crossing is going to be one of—I mean, Animal Crossing obviously is on our list of EFG essentials. I mean, we're we're going to be singing the praises of Animal Crossing: New Horizons forever. I think, I agree. But, and because you, like you said, it came out at the absolute right time. Obviously, they didn't plan it, but they knew what they had. And I think the community around it um, took advantage, and it's been exactly what we needed. Yeah. So on that poignant note, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and give a quick breakdown of our grown-up games of the year. So we'll be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back to episode 246 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. I'm still Steven. I am still here with one of my very best friends in the whole wide world, the Princess of Power. We talked about the family-friendly video games of the year, the big ones. We gave the Big Kahuna Award to... A very deserving title in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Now it's time to talk to, I think, for the first time on the Engage Family Gaming podcast in its history, Games for the Grown Ups. And I think this is kind of a good format because we look at the numbers. I see the stats, and I know that the the, the people that we don't have kids reading our blog, and there are a lot of grownups who read our content and listen to our podcast and are always looking for something to play when the kids go to bed. And we do get those questions. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. (laughs) Let's take a break and come back and let's just talk about some grown-up games. So you and I each brought one to the table.
1: We did. I played a lot of grown-up games this year. Like, I I went and I checked. Overall, I played – hold on. Let me pull up my sheet again because I have it right in front of me. In 2020, I played 94 games.
0: That's a lot of video games, dude. I mean, you you are a streamer. Well, Which yeah. Ready Player Mama, mm-hmm. part of the Radically Kind, game, radically kind Gamers stream team. So, I mean, there's that. So that probably contributed. However, we had one preordained, but I'm honestly, let's just t- tell me, what is a game for the grown-up, for the grown-ups that you want to talk about?
1: Oh, man, there were a lot of great games that came out last year. Like, even though the, we were in a social wasteland at least the games were great. Because, like, it's... I'm going through my list here, and I had a lot of great games that I played this year. Like, a lot. Or last year, rather. I had a lot of great games that I played. So I'm talking about, like, Persona 5 Royal, and I'm talking about games like Star Renegades, and uh, Marvel's Avengers. Specifically, the campaign was brilliant. I'm looking forward to going back to that. But, like... Man, my, my big one, my big one that we talked about already that we'll talk about again is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Because, friend, I had no interest in this game. We talked about this. Like, we talked about it literally on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times where I was just like, I'm not playing that game. I'm not. It's the first Assassin's Creed game that I just have no interest in playing. And here I am eating my hat. Not literally, but thinking about eating my word hat and maybe saying that I'm sorry to you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, buddy.
0: Because is it possible? Because I do recall, and I don't want to rub too much in, but I was yeah, like, yeah, man, Assassin's yeah. Creed Valhalla looks really good. I just want to hit you
1: with shields, man.
0: And I just want to hit you shields. And you were like, um, but it looks, you know, I don't know. It just looks, it, just, it just doesn't look all that great. And I was like, I don't know, man. It looks pretty hype to me. And now the tables are turned because I haven't touched it for a frame. And you it's have put many the, frames.
1: It's literally the best Assassin's Creed game of all time. I'm not, Listen. and I'm not exaggerating. I love Assassin's Creed 2. I love Brotherhood. I love Revelations. I love Syndicate. I loved Origin. I loved Odyssey. These are all games I loved. Valhalla blows them all away. All of them.
0: Listen, I'm going to play it. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I know, dude. Know I know. I mean?
1: No, I, I hear you. But, like, here's, here's the deal with Valhalla. The game is not just technically marvelous. It doesn't just look beautiful and play beautifully. It can get a little bit boring in some combat sections, especially if you do raids all of like you know, like all the time, like coastal raids um over and over again. But the writing for the first time in an Assassin's Creed game since Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. and we are talking about games that came out ten years ago. I have not found a game that has blown me away with a story like Valhalla has. Like, Um, I just, I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want to spoil it for our, for our listeners. And I don't want to spoil it for you because I want you to play this game like badly so we can talk about it. But my husband is playing it right now. Like James is playing it and he's 65 hours in. My husband does not play Assassin's Creed games. Those are my games. So like he will play them sparingly maybe once in a while. The last one he really played was Assassin's Creed 3 and he got into Valhalla and he's like, well, we got to put the brakes on real quick. Now I have to go back. I got to play them all now, right? Like that means I got to play them all, right? So that that's my husband's mood on all of this. It's legitimately the best Assassin's Creed game ever made.
0: That's his jam, though like playing games and that? just like being kind of a completionist like that yes. that's his thing hundred
1: percent. Like, yeah. he's a hundred percent hundred percenter
0: yeah absolutely or at least a hundred percent strongly considering hundred percenting yes he exactly. might not but only because he's found something else to do not because he's not compelled to do so. So, yeah, you know what, Assassin's Creed, I have heard so many people, I mean, this is not the, what's crazy is what you are giving, what you were telling me is not the most glowing review or glowing recommendation for Assassin's Creed Valhalla I have seen in the last 24 hours. This is one of those games that a lot
1: of Assassin's Creed Valhalla was like, what?
0: It's yeah. No. I mean, so many people. I mean, it was. It's been well received critically. Fans. I mean, I, the, I. I tend to ignore the negatives, outside of listening to valid critiques. Yes. But here's the thing, and and you know, you look at the critiques, but like, okay, there's always going to. be video games are art, and therefore. Some people just not going to not- like a thing, yeah, and that's exactly. how it works. But the stuff that some people said they don't like, many of those are things that I either don't care about or they don't like it, and I'm kind of cool with that anyway. Like, I actually don't mind kind of repetitive side missions because I play World of Warcraft, right? So, like, that's sometimes, bad. and for me, the way I've played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, which I haven't finished yet, by the way, which is another reason why I didn't rush into Valhalla, is that, like, every once in a while I'll just jump right in, Oh, yeah. And just go do a bunch of things. And yeah. sometimes they're. And so I don't play these games in one large bunch. I will, no. be, when I get Valhalla, which is inevitable, I'm going to get it on, when it's on sale. That's one of the oh, things 100%. that you can always count on with Assassin's Creed games is that I'm going to wait until it's 30 bucks someday and grab it. And I'm going to play it for like an hour or two, every three or four days. Right. And I'm just going to churn it out over the course of like a full year. And it's, you know, so it'll never be repetitive for me because of the way I play. And so also man, everybody that I've uh, that I have talked to has said that it's kind of good looking.
1: Oh, it is (laughs) a pretty damn game, my friend. Very and that's
0: tricky. I am a big fan of like medieval fantasy. And so for me, like medieval fantasy, like northern Europe, in, you know, England, Ireland, Scotland, like that whole area. Like that is that that is what it's, I want. It's all and it's, it's that all about. Yeah. And I mean, I love Odyssey, but like that's very Mediterranean by nature of the fact that that it's ancient Greece. So like, that's just like where it is. That's just like, you can't really avoid that because you're on know, the Mediterranean. So like, you know, but, and it's not that that's bad, but like even, you know, I would be playing it and the general would come in and be like, wow, this seems very washed out and bright. Like this, shouldn't this be darker? And I'm like, well, she's th- to the point where she thought that the, I did something wrong with the settings. And I'm like, no, 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 It's just be- <laughs> it, because it's just bright. Everything's bright because, bright, you know, yeah. right. You know, whereas it, it's going to be a little different in, um, in the 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 frozen north, so I'm, do, I'm super excited for that. Yeah. So that's one of our two grown up games of the year. What's yours? Um, so how about mine? Is one that some people at the beginning of the year, including myself, thought it would have been in contention for our regular game of the year, and that is not something that happens very often in unengaged family gaming, because as you know. If you followed us for a long time or if you just do the math, you figure out that probably what we do is we remove all the M-rated video games and we we look at – we choose our game based on games rated T and below. This is something that's always been really interesting when I've talked to people that work at other outlets. Uh, my cousin Peter Brown, who used to work at GameSpot, he and I would talk about this and he'd be like, oh, we're doing our game of the year discussion. You know, he, We would text back and forth around this time and – it would be, like, he would say, oh, we've got this really hard decision. There was one year where he was like, oh, man, it's really hard because it's between all these things, and I'm like, it's actually really easy for me this year because we only have two choices. (laughs) Because everything, you know, and he's like, what do you mean? And... (sighs) Um, it was the years. It was it was Spider Man versus God of War, and everybody was balancing Spider Man versus God of War. And I was like, yeah. actually, it's quite easy for me because pretty we it, eliminated it was pretty one. Pretty um, And he, it just blew him away, right? Because you just don't think about that. What happens when you do that constraint? It's like a limited format in Magic: The Gathering. It just com- the meta game is very different uh, for us. Yes. So, um, a game, a game came out this year that I thought was it's rated T. I was like, this game is going to be right up there. I was, and then I played it and you and I recorded a whole podcast about this, where I raged at the ESRB, your friends at the ESRB, because they got the rating wrong. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. Final Fantasy seven remake. Here we go. And I decided at that moment. As part of that podcast, you probably even if you're listening to this and you listen to that, you know, I said, no, we ain't, we're not going to put that in the running. We're going to put this in the running for grown up game of the year. And I I did. And you know what? For me, it is my grown up game of the year. It is so very, very good. I went from thinking Final Fantasy seven is the worst Final Fantasy game in the history of the franchise. Come at me on Twitter if you want Um I will fight that to the death um, to Final Fantasy seven remake reinvigorating my um, my interest in that game and making me want to play it like play it again. And like really. And it, I never thought I wanted to put my hands on the sticks on Final Fantasy seven ever. And now I kind of do. And it's all because of the remake, which is beautiful. It did interesting things with all the characters. Um, it it really showed me what, like, what Square Enix can do remaking these older games. And
1: I mean, it took them a bajillion years, but they oh, finally yeah. got there
0: a bajillion. And to the point where I know so, oh, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, give us a new Final Fantasy six. They're never going to do it. <laughs> It took them long enough to do this one. And this one they really did just to shut people up, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I don't think – I think – well, here's what I think. I think they greenlit it to shut people up. And then they realized they had somewhere through that process, they knew they had something good on their hands and decided to not cancel it. Like I can't imagine they didn't – just. That you know what I mean? I, I just – it feels to me like in the beginning they were like, all right, some – some junior team do some pre-design on this, like do some pre-work on this just so we can see if it happens. And then they made some awesome decisions. And what it feels like is they took the, they took the time to remake that game. And every time they had an opportunity to make it different, they made, or keep it the same. They made the right decision and some things are the same right some of the character designs some of you know some of the weapon choices you know some of the sto- some of the story beats not all and they kept the stuff that was really important and they change the stuff that wasn't and uh, i loved every frame of that video game it made me hungry to play the rest of the parts you know all the people you know when i was done with it and i was seeing people go oh well, i think i'm gonna wait until they finish it and then i'm gonna play them all at once i would you know in my own head i was like no you you can't do that to yourself you won't enjoy it the same way. Like, you got to play it. And now I'm so hungry. Like, I know it's going to be like a million parts, and it's probably not going to be finished until I'm me- of Medicare age. I don't really care. Like, I am
1: yeah, super hyped matter. for this.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. So that's Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know it says it's T on the box.
1: That's not a T, friends.
0: It is not a T. It is um, this is a it should be rated M because man, the language is is a lot by itself. But there's some implied sexual violence in here, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, if you want more details, hit me on Twitter. I'll DM you some more stuff if you really want to know. Um, but as far as for grown-ups, man is it good? So good. I, you know, fun, funny story on this. I actually was having a discussion with this about um, Andy Robertson over across the pond. He runs the Taming Gaming Database. And he and I were talking about it. And I mentioned that I think that Peggy, because we had talked about this on the podcast, and you oh, said yeah. that Peggy has that added, it, that Peggy has that added nuance for the older games. And that in that way, they were superior. And he said, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. But the one thing that you don't that you're probably not considering is that ESRB has E10 plus, whereas Peggy does not. Oh. And so he he was like, I wish that we would combine them where you would get like a T16 and we could get a Peggy 10
1: that or
0: something was- like that because yes. they don't because they don't have that. And um, so he's like, you know, for me, it's like it's E for everyone or it's a teen rated game. And he's like, there are some games that he's like, I think that would be e- that E10 plus is appropriate for, because maybe they're like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games where it is where the core mechanic is violence, but it's still cartoony there. That's it gets a younger rating than he thinks that it should, because there are a lot of parents concerned about violence. Approach, you know, that and that's fine, etc. So anyway, I thought that was uh, an interesting little factoid. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and cute. one that I had been meaning to share with you since he and I had that conversation like a week ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so anyway, so yeah, finally, listen, if we had to choose two games of the year for 2020, coming out of it for grownups and coming out of it with Final Fantasy VII Remake and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that's pretty good. Like, that's Those rad and we frankly missed <laughs> like, so dude, many talk about there's so many video games that came out this year if you are a grown up and you're interested in games obviously there are other outlets that you are familiar with that will give you some of those grown up games it is obviously not our focus but we're gamer parents right you know so mm-hmm. we we don't play we, I may not play everything but I certainly will play at least one or two grown up games a year because it's what I do so Amanda, yes. We did it. We did. We just did it. We did mm-hmm. the games of the year for engaged family gaming for 2020. So now Yes. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to be done for today. Next week, we'll be back for board games. Specifically, we're going to look back on some of our board gaming experiences of the last year with Linda um which is going to involve a lot of you know we didn't play as many board games as we wanted to because it in spite of being stuck in the house but we're going to talk about some stuff we've got we've got some content cooking next video game podcast amanda here's your homework so now we looked back we looked back at the year that was 2020 in good video games we we cut out just about everything else that was bad now we're going to next next video game podcast we're going to look forward and we're going to talk about our most anticipated video games, be they, uh, but they just have to be announced. We don't necessarily need to know their release dates. And I know yeah. that there are things, and I know there are some things that you probably won't be able to talk about because you know they're coming, but you can't tell us. And obviously, you are not required to use those. You can talk about other stuff. I'm not going to make you give trade secrets. Okay. So, everybody. This has been episode 246 of the engaged family gaming podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I hope you can tell Amanda and I enjoyed recording. We're so glad to be back on the mics for 2021. Do me a favor, throw us a review on whatever podcast service you use, share the podcast with a friend. You know, we're doing the whole growth thing. That's our plan for this year, but until next week, you have one real important thing to do and, and that is to make sure that you get your family game on. So we'll see you next time. Bye now.
1: Bye.